1: FlushCare.com/slash/weightloss.
0: The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM. Now, I've spoken many, many times over the years to Tom Corrin, um, he of course, husband of the late Marie Fleming, right to die campaigner, and we've had many discussions on this program about uh, right to die legislation and whether we should have it in this country. I've made no secret of the fact that I completely and utterly approve of it um, and that I don't see why it shouldn't be available. It's civilized and it's decent. You know, we don't put our sick pets through pain and make them suffer beyond what's reasonable. So why would we do it with our loved ones? Gareth Hearn, uh, I'm sorry for your loss. It is still fresh and it is still raw. Um, when when did um, when did she pass away? Harris, good morning.
1: Good morning, PJ, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak about uh, this issue. Um, it's a very painful issue. Yeah. You're right. It's a very recent loss. Uh, my wife died in Belgium on the 21st of April this year. Okay.
0: Okay. Vicky was her name. She was from Belgium, but she'd been living in Cork and working here for many years.
1: Vicky was uh, a Latin and Greek lecturer in UCC, um, and she had been living here for over 20 years and very much considered Ireland and Cork in particular to be her home. When, how did you meet? Where? Oh, well, like so many people, um, we met online uh, a little over six years ago. Uh, Both Vicky and I were divorcees and we just struck up an online rapport, which resulted in me coming to Cork one day to meet Vicky for for lunch and coffee and, you know, thus uh, began a romance that lasted for the rest of of, of her life.
0: Mm. You married in 2021?
1: We did. We married on the 8th of June in 2021. Mm. Now, she had uh, already had th- cancer, hadn't she? Yes, when I met Vicky first, um, one of the first conversations that we had, before we had met in person, was that Vicky was a double mastectomy cancer survivor, and... That At that time, she was under observation, and but she was all clear, as it were, yeah. and <clears throat> was that going to be a factor for us moving forward? And I said, of course not, of course not. Um, we met in early June. Um, she invited me to her birthday a week or so later, and shortly after that, Vicky discovered uh, some suspicious lumps in her neck, and following... Uh, subsequent medical investigations it transpired that the cancer had indeed metastasized to her lymph nodes. Mm. At this point <clears throat> Vicky says to me, she was a very pragmatic woman. She goes, you know you know, this is this is a journey which could not which may not end well for me and therefore no one would blame you for walking away at this stage. But it's just not in my nature, PJ, you mm. know um I, I've always stuck up for people in need. Yeah. Besides, and I you loved her at
0: this stage, I think. You loved her dearly. I did.
1: I would, I would, you know, we're, we're maybe a month into this relationship, but it was apparent that uh, there was a very deep connection between us. And that very deep connection turned into to an enduring love. And it was that love that motivated me to support my wife through her illness and also to help Vicky on the final leg of her journey, which was traveling to Belgium.
0: At what point did they tell her that it was terminal?
1: Well, over the five years that we were together, the the cancer was progressing. It had moved from the lymph nodes to the lungs, uh, from the lung to the liver, uh, and Vicky had a sense that you know, that cancer was ultimately going to claim her life. Mm. Perhaps in September of 2022, um, Vicky began to feel more unwell. Um, And by that, I mean she was having difficulty eating. She was losing weight. She was uh, becoming more fatigued. We were due for a routine scan in December. Mm. Um, And by Times December came. Vicky's condition had worsened, you know. So like, you know, like she can no longer eat meat. We're literally we're talking mashed potatoes. We're talking creamed rice. We're talking custard, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's not always necessarily guaranteed that those foods will stay in. You know, Vicky is is vomiting. She's in pain. You know, she's in pain. Yeah, she's in she's in pain. She's in pain. She describes the pain to me, and I, I don't mean to be too graphic for your listeners, okay. PJ, as as a rat gnawing on her insides. You know, Very that's graphic. how she described it. Very graphic. <clears throat> and, 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 and then you have... Yeah, go on. You go ahead, please. Um, well, then you have my stepdaughter and I and Vicky are sitting at the table, and Vicky's trying to eat, and she can't, you know? You know, so... I then feel guilty for being able to eat, for being healthy and well. Yeah. Uh Vicky doesn't want that for us, so she stops having meals with us. You know. She tries to have a little cup of custard, um, but she does it by herself and she tries to hide the fact that she's being sick <clears throat> so that so that my stepdaughter and I won't be upset. You know. Oh my. And this, and this was what we endured, and what worsened from December until April when Vicky died.
0: Now, had you spoken about assisted dying
1: at any point? <clears throat> yes, I suppose when when the cancer had had moved to Vicky's liver we she had we had a very difficult conversation. Um, we filled out what are called think ahead forms. Which are where the patient, um, my wife Vicky, expresses her wishes as to what would happen in the event of her being seriously incapacitated, unconscious, near death, um, and that relates to the types of medical interv- intervention she may or may not have wanted, and to, you know to who she wanted to have a say in her um end of life healthcare needs mm-hmm. and and you know and and to funeral plans effectively. So she would fill if we'd fill those out and in filling those out, you know, there was the there was the conversation about, you know, you know I'm going to die, you know, you know that the chemotherapy that I'm I'm on is only going to keep the condition at bay for so long. Mm. And I knew she was right. Yeah. I knew I knew there were I had hoped at that, that time that there were years ahead of us, you know. Um, did you
0: realise, or did you accept that there were just maybe months at most?
1: Well, we were lucky in that we probably got eighteen months from the time of filling out those forms until Vicky's death. Okay. Um, but I did, I did realise that the the clock was ticking very loudly and the time was running out for Vicky, and but. I don't want to make this entirely a message of doom and gloom, and this may not be the same for everybody, but Vicky living with terminal illness meant that Vicky endeavoured to live every day to the fullest, mm-hmm. to appreciate life. This is, this, is, this is not a campaign of death that I'm embarking on, because death is inevitable and will come to us all, but our lives are finite. Mm-hmm. You know, and we should enjoy them and cherish them as much as we can and and certainly Vicky and I did that to the best of our ability for the entire time that we were together, Good. even after it became apparent to Vicky that her her condition was terminal
0: you, you had a remarkable relationship, i think it's fair to say
1: um, i I was very fortunate i i when I met Vicky and our friend, uh, I think I mentioned to Owen English in the Independent that, that or the Examiner, sorry, mm-hmm. that I had that I had found my tribe. You know,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Vicky understood me; I understood her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we loved each other. We loved each other deeply, mm-hmm. and we were resolved to care for each other, no matter what life had in store for us. And it was that resolve, I suppose that compelled me to to support her um, all the way to traveling to Belgium f- okay. for her assisted dying.
0: Let me take a break, Garrett, if you would, and of I'll course. come back and take the story up from that point because I want to talk about the discussion and the conversation that led to that decision and your incredible decision to support her. Um, I'm talking to Garrett Ahern, who lost his wife, Vicky, uh, on April 21st last. She died by assisted suicide in Belgium.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: At right in February, Garris, she was in a very bad way. She'd been offered palliative care, but she was in a very, very bad way, and I think she tried to take her own life, did she?
1: Yes, so um, <clears throat> Vicky had tried some intravenous chemotherapy sessions in January and she didn't find that they were working or at least the side effects from it were quite severe on her. Mm. So she spoke to her consultant and ended uh, intravenous chemotherapy. At this point, we were already in the care of Uh, in the excellent care, may I add, of the palliative care team. And they had been prescribing um, pain patches and oral morphine, um, along with a variety of other medications. But the two main pain medications were uh, pain patches and oral morphine. Mm. And they weren't giving Vicky any relief. Um, We had one um, house visit from the palliative team early in February, where Vicky had requested um, medicinal cannabis. And the nurse uh, said that it wasn't indicated for her condition and that um, paracetamol and Calpol 6+, plus, okay, might work just as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vicky became extremely frustrated with that. And after the palliative care nurse left... Vicky said to me, I have enough morphine in the house to kill an elephant. What if I drank all that? Okay. So I had worked in a suicide prevention charity in Limerick uh, when I lived there. Uh, and I have seen the effects of people t- taking their own lives mm. or attempting to take their own lives. And I had said, look, from my my lived experience—that will not work well. Mm. That you will become unconscious, that you will vomit and aspirate into your lungs, and that uh, you will be- end up in a vegetative state, in in you know in hospital for whatever time you have left. So don't do it, you know. Mm. But the pain for Vicky was unbearable. And one night in mid-February, when my stepdaughter had gone to a friend's house, uh, Vicky turned in at eight o'clock, which wasn't uncommon. She had spent she would spend quite a lot of time in bed at this stage. Mm-hmm. I would call up to check on her frequently, and on this one occasion, she she seemed at peace. PJ, yeah, she um she had told me she loved me she told me she loved Lena um our stepdaughter and that she just wanted to sleep now so I said okay okay and I went downstairs at this stage I had been sleeping on the couch for the past number of weeks because just being close to Vicky you know caused her physical pain Mm -hmm. um I go downstairs, I, I come back up at 11 before I'm going to go to sleep, and I per- perceive her to be sleeping soundly, you know. Mm. Uh, her breathing is slow and relaxed, and I don't turn on the light or anything, and I I go over to her and I kiss her. <sighs> Excuse me. Well, take your time. Take your time. And, and I go back downstairs for another night of trying to sleep on the couch. Um, I wake around five or six I'm not sure I couldn't tell you and I head upstairs to see how she's doing and her breathing is very shallow and it's very rasping and I turn on the lights to discover that Vicky is very pale and her lips are blue and that there are two empty bottles of morphine along with some sleeping tablets uh, by the side of the bed so now is this is this dilemma for me, because Vicky had said, if ever a crisis was to befall, not to intervene you know mm-hmm. so I sit there for for a couple of minutes, not very long, but it se- it seems like an eternity, and i I debate with myself what to do do i do i do I lie there next to her and put my arms around her you must have talked about
0: doing that, did
1: you? I did, I did, yeah. What stopped I did, you? because I had seen her suffering, like I'd seen her suffering. What stopped you? I... um. I was a Red Cross volunteer for, for a while and I worked as part of a, a emergency response team where in the company that I work for. So I had fairly extensive first aid training, you know, mm. and, and also during the suicide prevention work, you would encounter people that perhaps would have overdosed or be in in similar distress and you would know how to intervene to 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 assist them. So I, ch- I checked her pulse rate and her level of respiration and as she was in trouble. But it was recoverable, in my opinion. Okay. It was a recoverable situation. So I administered a couple of rescue breaths and uh, rang the emergency services to come and help her, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, <clears throat> Their advice is go downstairs, turn on all, all the lights, open the doors, go back upstairs and continue the rescue breaths, which I do. And within a couple of short minutes, uh, they were there. Mm. And, Vicky is, and Vicky and I are whisked off to to resus in CUH, uh, where they intervened to, to attempt to revive her, you know. And I then have to communicate to the uh, emergency room medics that Vicky doesn't want any um, invasive interventions to save her, Mm. okay? That she doesn't want to be ventilated, that she doesn't want to uh, to have her heart restarted in the event of it stopping, you know, you know this is really this is all the while the the chaos of a of a busy emergency room is going on around us yeah and and this doctor is is compassionate but concerned right mm. he understands what i'm saying but it's his job to save life yeah <clears throat> and and, we're, and this, this conversation takes place over a, over a period of a number of hours, you know, uh, on and off over a period of a number of hours. And they review Vicky's file and and agree, yes, that her cancer is global and it's terminal and it's incurable. And that they won't do those invasive interventions, but they have this nebulizing drug that they can give her that might improve her, her oxygen saturation, which is very poor at this stage. mm and of course, I agree because I don't want my wife to die. You know, I don't want her to die in in resus, in an emergency no,
0: department. No, you know, you know she's going to, but not now. I know she's going to, but not now. Not not here.
1: To, not, now. Not, not, now. not here. Oh, no, please, not here. yeah. So that that drug works, and Vicky starts her oxygen saturation, her heart rate, all those things start to improve, and when she's out of danger. And now she's still very heavily sedated from the effects of the morphine. We're moved to uh, an examination cubicle in the emergency department uh, where we spend another 24 hours. And as Vicky starts to recover her senses, she actually thinks she's in hell. She actually thinks she's in hell. Oh, my God. That she has died and that this is hell. Right. And I had to try and reassure her, saying, I'm here, you're not in hell, you're out of danger, I'm okay, your daughter's okay, you're going to survive this. We moved from there to the ward, where, um, because Vicky has made a suicide attempt, she's put in, in a ward with patients that require additional observation, yeah. Okay. Are you allowed to stay with Although her. I was allowed to stay with her, yes, oh yes, but, but the all the patients there were equally deserved of dignity and respect and privacy. You know, they range from people in their final hours, perhaps, to uh, dementia patients who don't know where they are, who are calling for their long dead parents to come and get them and stuff like that. You know, it's it's it's, it's a
0: hellish scene, heart wrenching stuff. Yeah.
1: And she pleads with me to take her home. And I can't, can't, you're not well enough yet. There's a psychiatric evaluation carried out and the conclusion in my my layman's terms is that Vicky did not want to end her life, but she wanted to end her suffering. And that if I would care for her, if they could discharge her into my care, would I care for her? And I said, of course, of course I would i do anything for her. Yeah. Um, she is... Eventually, we're there for about a week, and eventually she comes home. and But continues to find no relief from the pain. Continues to be unable to eat. Nothing's working at this stage. Now. Nothing, nothing's working. Nothing's working. And, and, and it wasn't for want of trying on the behalf of our excellent palliative care service. It wasn't for want of trying. It's just cancer. It's just such an awful disease. Mm-hmm. So...
0: She, 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 she was... She was, was, she, was she angry with you?
1: People near the end of their life start to withdraw from their loved ones and she was angry with me for saving her yes Mm -hmm. mmm no she loved me I don't doubt her love for me but she wanted to go and that was it and I I stopped that you know before
0: before I go on and I must take another break and then we'll talk about Belgium because this is a longer conversation than I had planned to have but I think it's worth having and seeing it out Garrett do you I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this question I'm going to ask it now remember you said that you could have just laid down on the bed next to her and let nature take its course Mm -hmm. do you wish you had done that now did you ever wish you had done that
1: oh yeah yeah I am haunted by these things Okay. Okay. Haunted by them. Take a breath. Take a breath and we'll
0: talk about Belgium. Um if anyone is impacted by this very, very deep conversation, which has is going to take up most of this hour, I tell you, at this point now. The Samaritans can be contacted twenty four seven three six five one eight hundred two four seven. 247. I'm back talking to Garrett next. So I'm talking to Garrett Ahern about the passing of his wife Vicky in April, which happened in Belgium, and let's move on to that now, Garrett. She booked it and said, I'm going, whether you're coming or not.
1: Yeah, yeah. so Vicky had um, done her research probably before the overdose and Vicky had consulted with a a doctor in Belgium. Okay. Um, not without my knowledge, may I add, I didn't know any of this until afterwards. Okay. And we're we're sitting in the, um, the sitting room uh, one day, and she poses this question, which is that she has decided to go to Belgium to avail of assisted dying, and that she wants to know if I'll come with her or not it's it's booked the Airbnb is booked the flights are booked she just needs to know if she's putting her Belgian friend's name down as the second ticket for the flight or whether it's me Mm. Um, and (sighs) you know I I tried to talk her out of it, saying that her experience in in CUH in the in the chaos of the emergency room of CUH is not the experience that people have typically in, in palliative care. Right? That it's dignified and respectful and peaceful. Mm. And it, but it's not about the dignity or the peace; she it's about the enough. pain she'd had enough of the pain and she couldn't endure it anymore and I could go with her or not but she was going so I, I agree I okay. agree okay. I had I had stuck by her through everything mm-hmm.
0: and you weren't I leaving her side I could not abandon now.
1: her I couldn't abandon her now. I couldn't
0: so so take us there and take us Garrett to the clinic and to what happens
1: <clears throat> well as it transpires, it wasn't the clinic. Okay. It was a, it was a friend's house. Okay. So, she had arranged for the procedure to take place at at a dear friend's house, a lifelong friend's house. And we gather there uh, on the morning of the the twenty first of April at eleven o'clock. Um, we take a tram ride to the outskirts of Antwerp where Sophie's house is and her friends her her dearest lifelong friends are there and they laugh and they cry and they tell stories. Is she able to walk at this stage Carol? No not really the the, the journey there was painful you know you know the, the 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 hundred meters that we walked from the taxi to Sophie's house was was agony for her. Okay, and she said that she just wants this over. Like she's she's so glad that it's over. It's nearly over now.
0: Okay. So, so you don't you don't speak French or Flemish, whatever it is. Flemish. I don't
1: speak. I don't speak Flemish. I don't speak Flemish. Yeah. Don't speak Flemish. Uh, not to any great extent. Yeah. Um, but the concentration that's involved to. Translate for Vicky from Flemish into English for me is now too much for her. Okay. So she can't tell me what her friends are, what she and her friends are speaking but about. She's having oh, these moments with her friends. Yeah, she's having, I'm glad that she had those moments with her friends. Uh, we sit in the garden, they, as I said, they laugh, they cry. And at one o'clock, a uh, palliative care nurse calls and has a consultation with Vicky, again in Flemish. They speak for about 20 minutes, and afterwards he comes to me and tells me what a privilege it is to assist people in the end of their suffering, in the end of their life, and that he wishes me strength for what immediately lies ahead and for my journey through life, you know, after Vicky. He administers an IV drip, which... Um, Restores Vicky a little, because she hadn't been able to eat or drink very much in the in the time that we were in Belgium, four days that we were in Belgium. And at two o'clock, a little before, the administering GP, who Vicky has had the consultations with, he he arrives. Um, he has a second doctor with him. I, I, I think that's procedure or protocol there. Yes. He has a second doctor with him. And they have a consultation with Vicky. And the doctor then speaks to me and says that Vicky has made it clear that these are her wishes mm-hmm. and that she wishes to proceed and that she, as the patient, you know, her wishes have to be respected. All of
0: their conversations, um, I take it, Gareth, have been in Flemish.
1: Are in in Flemish Are in Flemish You know But the doctor uh, translates for you Yeah. He speaks to me afterwards For five minutes And tells me What's going to happen And What's going to happen Is that he's going to Administer A general anaesthetic And that that will take A number of minutes to work And then he's going to Administer a muscle relaxant Mm -hmm. Now um, to 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 add to my tragedy, I had had a child die in Crimlin Hospital a number of years ago. I'm oh, sorry to hear that. And and his death was horrific to observe. Um, the the desperate gaspings for breath in the final throes of life. So I had asked the doctor, "Do I need to prepare myself for that?" And he said, "No, it will be very peaceful." Uh, he administers the general anesthetic to Vicky mm. and her last words with a smile and a laugh were this is nice I could get used to this right. her pain was gone well, well she knew that her pain would be gone and she drifts off into into sleep the unconscious sleep of sedation and all of the lines of anguish and pain that have been etched on her face these past months all just disappear Um, she is young and fresh faced and healthy and relaxed looking the two doctors and the nurse after a number of minutes come to the couch where Vicky is laying overlooking the garden and they tell me they're going to proceed and they administer the muscle relaxant and and within moments, within moments, a few short seconds, to my untrained eye, all signs of life and pain had ceased in my wife, and she was dead.
0: And how did you feel in that moment, Gareth? <sighs> I would
1: have, I would have to say, like like certainly grief and loss and sadness. But probably overwhelming relief that, that the pain that she had endured both, both physical over the past number of months and psychological for the past 10 years so when she had cancer were now gone and that she was at peace. So I felt a sense of relief, I suppose more than anything else. And
0: when relief washed over you, how did you feel about that? Because some people, I know some people when they start to feel relief, they almost they almost resent themselves for that.
1: (sighs) Vicky and I had been grieving her death for the previous 18 months. I had had Many long conversations with Vicky, filled with laughter and tears, may I add, mostly tears about what was going to happen, you know, when she died, be it at the time we thought in in hospital or in a hospice. So I had, I had plucked up my metal. I had strengthened myself for this. Mm -hmm. Um, I do feel a sense of guilt. Yes, I do feel guilt. Um but when i sit down and and debate with myself when I, when I when i berate myself for feeling guilty i say no this is what she wanted and yes, she it's so sure, perfectly so. clear that this is what she wanted an end to her pain and her suffering yeah. and and i'm glad that i was able to be there for her for that
0: now thank you for the tenderness with which you've told a story gareth um, there's a silence in this around me in this room here you could you could hear a pin drop. But what's important is that you you want how much more it would have meant to be able to do that here in Cork is what I'm trying to get.
1: I believe so. And we have an erectus committee discussing this at the moment. And and there are there are a multitude of of different opinions that all have to be taken into consideration in relation to this. And I am no expert in any medical field. But the story that I've just told you and your listeners, PJ, is is the horror of my lived experience. Okay? And that that horror, I'm not the only Vicky and I are not the only couple to have endured that. There are people in pain and suffering right now. Right now. And, sh- and should they wish to live their lives out to its natural conclusion, I support that wholeheartedly. Yes, we do. But I just feel that we as a country have reached a stage where we need to have a respectful discussion about, about this. You know, there are no votes in sick people. There are no votes in dead people. Let me put it that way. Yes. You know, it is easy for politicians to ignore this or allow the status quo to remain, for the dying and the terminally ill aren't interested in the cares of, of this world or of politics. But it is those of us who survive, those of us who love, those our loved ones who are suffering in this way. It is our voices that must be heard. Yeah, and I don't seek this limelight. I don't seek this. But to honour my wife's memory and to stand up for those who may want this but can't speak about it for themselves, I just want our, our government to to take <sighs> these opinions on board and mm-hmm. give them their consideration when it comes to amending the law or otherwise.
0: Your words have passion and they, and they have power. Two questions to ask before, before we go. The first one is, and you know that. We have law in this country that you could be in trouble for what happened and you could be in trouble for speaking out about what happened. Has anybody approached you?
1: I haven't been approached. I haven't been approached yet. Um, uh, the the, the officers of the state have a duty to investigate things like this. Uh, I will happily tell that story to them you know or answer any questions they may have
0: but they haven't yet
1: but sometimes sometimes good people have to stand up for what they believe in irrespective of the personal risk to them and I'm prepared to do that
0: Gareth lastly come back to the woman you've told us about losing the woman you loved love still very much Hmm. tell me about the woman you met and fell in love with. Tell me about Vicky, what she was like.
1: Oh, vivacious, vibrant, full of life. Um, quirky, intelligent. Uh, the, the list goes on. A scholar uh, of Latin
0: and Greek. She must have been a very scholar interesting of Latin in, conversationalist. scholar
1: of Latin and Greek, director of the Latin UCC Latin Summer School for a number of years. Uh, won the President's Award in UCC for that Uh, but just like Vicky had been living with the specter of cancer for years and she really embraced life found the joys in the small things you know, raindrops in a puddle or the sun glinting on water or whatever and was able to see that appreciate that and allow me to see it too. To to, she she opened up a a kindness and a compassion and a love in me. That love, of course, is in all of us. But that kindness and compassion and love in me, that perhaps had been so much subdued by the trials of life. Yeah. And and, you know, she was she was wonderful in every in every way. Had it had the tables been reversed? Uh, Vicky would be crying the message of my sufferings from the from the from the mountaintops and doing her best. Uh, like me, she always stuck up for the underdog and therefore she would want me to do this irrespective of the consequences. And in, in in honor of the love that I hold for her and the fact that I believe this cause to be right, I I will continue to respectfully um, tell her story. And and hopefully be a force for change if no, I can.
0: I think she'd be very, very proud of you. And the way you've told your story to me this morning, I I really do think, Gareth, um, you've been you've knocked me for six. I can tell you that for for nothing. She she taught you. I think she taught you the joy
1: of small things. Did she? <laughs> The joy of small things. She had a phrase called the strength of water. Okay, mm-hmm. there's there is strength in softness. There is strength in softness, and and she had come to these conclusions because you know she was living with a with a with a terminal illness that 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 it was the small things that there were beauty in the small things. There's there's always another day at work to be done. There's always a mortgage bill. There's always groceries to buy or washing to be done. But this, these moments, this time that we have is finite and that we must enjoy it, you know, to the fullest of our ability. And um, she taught me that and it's a lesson that I will, uh, I, I cherish and I will carry for the rest of my life. It is a, uh, knowing Vicky Janssen's, loving Vicky Janssen's, has enriched my life immeasurably. How is your stepdaughter? <sighs> uh, I in no way can replace uh, her mother. Mm. You know, uh, you she close. has to go through we're we are close we are close she lives with me we she's a a, a teenage girl with all of the, the joy and complexity that goes with that i'm sure you're good luck with gonna, that my friend good yeah with yeah, that. yeah yeah uh but she she is suffering that last too she is suffering that last too and a, and a loss that she has to carry with her through the rest of her life did she understand uh, her was, mom's decision she did, yeah, and she was supportive of it. Good for her. Yeah, she was supportive of it. So but that doesn't take away from the fact that her mom isn't going to be there on her wedding day, or her mom isn't going to be there, you know, uh, when she has her first child, or her mom isn't going to be there for all the things that a daughter needs a mother for in life. Know. You know, yeah. she, okay. just on, she just has to rely on, just has to rely on me. Well, you know.
0: Well, if you're half the stepdad that you were a husband, she'll be doing all right. What's next for
1: you? i don't know i don't know um i'm utterly lost i'm utterly lost um i i can't move move forward from this um it will take time but i'll just try to be as gentle as i can with myself and uh and take each day as it comes can i give you a a small piece of man-to-man advice
0: Please. It's a, it's a horrible time of the year to do it, although it's probably easier than it was three months ago. Get up some morning and walk to a place where you can see the sunrise and watch the sun come up. She's in it.
1: That seems like a very uh, very sensible, very very sound piece of advice, PJ. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. you up on that. I'll do that.
0: I am I'm, I'm, I'm privileged in the that. job that I do to watch a sunrise more often than most. There's a joy in it. <laughs> Go find one. Mm. We will do whatever we can to help you. You will be knocking on an open door anytime you want to talk to me. How's that for a deal?
1: That's fine. I, I, I'll take you up on that offer, I'm sure. It may not be the last time you're here to... Be here I sincerely
0: hope it isn't. May she rest in peace.
1: Thank you, Peter. Go Thank find a
0: sunrise much. for yourself. Bye Cheers, Gareth.
1: Take care, fella. Bye-bye. Whew.
0: If you have been impacted by that conversation, um, who wouldn't have been? I, I, I'd sensed there were cars stopped and pulled in. I sensed there were... Cups of coffee went cold on tabletops over the last hour. If you've been impacted and you need to talk to somebody and you don't have someone to talk to, the Samaritans are always there. 1-800-247-247. 1-800-247-247. It's been a privilege to speak with uh, Garrett Ahern. We will podcast that entire interview uh, later uh, as we will with the whole show. And we will talk to him again. I know we will talk to Garrett again.
1: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo.